Hey, welcome everybody to Ashes Pathfinders, episode 77. We're going to discuss the true alpha today. Yes, the true alpha and what it means. But first, I have to introduce my guests. Let's uh, welcome back Faisal in his blanket. What's up? As usual. And you'll know when we're getting to the end of the show because he will slowly start to <laughs> slump down towards the floor. <laughs> and just before the moment of falling asleep, you will know it's time to end the show. Mackie, welcome back, buddy. Hey, it's good to be back. Yeah. Got to also say hello to Mist. Don't want to forget Mist. How you doing, buddy? Oh, thank you. Hello, Hello, everybody. Yeah. So, as promised, last time I said we were going to round our conversation off talking about a couple things. One, the PI uh, testing, which we have a video up on the Ashes of Creation YouTube, right? So we hopefully everybody here watching and on the show today has actually seen that. I hope so, because we'll be referencing it. Um, but yeah, one thing I forgot to mention. So the, the art for the actual video on episode 76 um, was actually what I forgot to talk about. And I, at the end of the show, I was like, oh, my God, you guys, I completely forgot to talk about the housing item that they put on the agenda finally to talk about which was this really cool um kind of like it's gonna be like a statue it's gonna be a housing item you can place maybe up like the mantle on your on the table so steven had kind of mentioned that he had commissioned this to commemorate the the challenge that we as a species will overcome during this pandemic um so essentially all accounts who have uh, been registered during this time, during the time of this crisis, um, will will be applicable to receive this item. Um, it symbolizes a struggle that different civilizations have very encountered during the apocalypse and the return with the divine gateway being the connection across any distance we have with one another. And so you have this, you know, divine gateway and you see two characters holding each other's hands and one almost kind of pulling the other through the gate or even maybe vice versa. So it was pretty cool. Um, what were your thoughts about that? I thought it was like freaking awesome. Yeah. It's so it's a really nice statue design. It's it's really it's a really nice uh symbol, the rift between two worlds that connects uh people staying at home and people who, who are struggling and trying their best. So it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely was really nice concept. I want to see how it is in the actual bust. I was wondering, um, I was wondering yeah, what that look on your face was. Be, yeah, I'm wondering that too. Uh, the only the only thing I'm worried about is we have this really nice symbol of unity and coming together as a people or as a society. And then we'll have uh, the divide as players as we grow our own uh, factions. Yep. Death to the toll now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We're talking about peace and that prosperity and he's just like, yeah, about that genocide though in game. I clearly I've spent too much time on the Ashes Discord and the the amount of Tolnar hate that goes on there is quite staggering. Yeah, it's, man. Yeah. There's no reason for all that hate. So let's uh, let's dig into talking about the gameplay session. There were a lot of things that were outlined in the video that Steven posted. 
that were actually really, uh, really good tie-ins to, I think the stuff I probably would have, would have wanted to share with everybody. Um, so some things that were listed, all right. Uh, the mob strength and indicators, you, know, you could, you could notice some indicators over the nameplates kind of indicating the, the mob strength. Um, the gifting mana, which I noticed that I think Steven was actually gifting a couple of them mana during their running around in a cave. Um, and I wasn't really too sure what that ability was, but you know, my theory crafter mind of course was like, Oh my God. Right. Um, I thought that was just GM powers. Was it? Cause, it didn't mention it, cause mm. in the video when they were yeah. fighting the dragon, he, he basically said, Oh, I've run out of mana. I'm going to give myself more mana. And he just bumped it. So I think that was just a GM power, man. Cause when he did it, it looked like it was like an ability to me. Mm, yeah, he gifted it to Maggie and to Toast as well. Hmm. Did he? Might need to go. Yeah, yeah. So might need to if it did, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I kind of uh, need to go look and see if that was actually the case or not. But it looked like he was because he would. It almost looked like I saw an animation. We did it. So unless, oh. unless I'm just misinterpreting an animation for something else, as he was typing in a power, uh, GM power that is. I don't know, but yeah, the gifting mana. I was kind of curious if that was actually a uh an ability that he was using for one of the archetypes but yeah anyway um but good good counterpoints because i'm not really too sure myself I, I haven't had the opportunity to really go and like take a uh magnifying glass over that video yeah i just made the notes around it um he did make a note of turning down the spell effects something people have had a lot of concern about uh, in the video he did specify that the spell effects were going to be turned down so it still kind of leads me to wonder if maybe they're turned up for testing purposes, um, literally for performance issues that they're trying to work on. What up, Faisal? You got something yeah. to say, or are you just pointing um, up at the? I, I think it's an ability. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking at the video again. I, I like it's a brief moment where I think he used the spell really, mm -hmm. and uh, he was able to recover recover his own mana. But I don't know if he's able to cast it on others. Yeah, I need to look at that. So he might be using GM powers here and there. He might not be. So it's very debatable. <laughs> Yes, I'm hugely in favor of being able to like regulate your mana in combat like that, being able to like bump it up um, or gift your mana to other people. Mm. I think that's it's a really nice like, there, dynamic that isn't really uh, utilized enough in other MMORPGs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was my main gripe. I'm pretty sure everyone's main gripe was uh, the mana usage how quickly it depleted mm. yeah. Um, yeah like two or three skills and it was gone and then you're just sitting there like getting smashed in the face <laughs> uh and like uh mist brought up a few mmos uh, over the years have uh let players or even other classes regulate mana for example in terra the mystic uh drops those uh blue yes. balls <laughs> and people can pick those up and eat them and essentially restore their mana <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's not wrong. That does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you you do consume the balls. <laughs> came back that came out really <laughs> bad, but uh I got my Oh out. I was intending it to, don't you worry. <laughs> I muted myself. I'm trying to be a very good paladin today. One thing I'd also like to see and this is something that was in the original guild wars was being able to drain other people's mana 
Uh, yeah, they have that. Yeah, that'd be really have, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have a, mm-hmm. a similar function in ESO with um, the destruction staff, I believe it is, or the uh, rest of staff. I can't remember. Where you sap uh, the enemy's mana from them, and every yeah. time your the group hits them, they restore mana at a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. And then they essentially have a skill where they throw. Uh, again, it's a blue or green ball, depending on what you morphed it into. True. And everyone in the group can activate it to get mana back. Yeah. There's also the, I think the Templar, what is it? The, uh, the aura, the, the rune. Yeah. That well, they drop on the ground. Well, there's the one too. Remember it's like the other morph for repentance or, uh, you know I'm talking about? Like you have the one that morphs mm. that like pulls on the other one tags everything in a proximity mm, and then the, the damage corpse, the corpse steal or whatever. Oh, like oh, they changed it. Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking of a of an earlier iteration where it was an aura and it would tag all the enemies around you, and then based on the damage done to the enemies around you, you would get magic back. Anyway, main yeah. point. <laughs> I think I think they actually have reworked that skill since then, though, to where it is now, like that, because they changed it a while back with the Templars. Yeah, um, yeah, but something aura. But anyway, there, but these are mechanics we've seen in other games. That's the main. The main point is that, you know, we do see these in other games. Um, just kind of curious how that's going to, because my theory crafter mind, and I think this is all going to tie back into like the upcoming episode where I think we're going to talk a little bit about some of the questions that we had uh, people here on um, yesterday. I did, you know, the the pre Pathfinder show kind of discussion. I try to do it on Fridays or Saturdays and just basically people in chat contribute uh, talking points, questions, things like that. You can also do call in now, Collins now to the show, um, which I don't have a scrolling text for it. I was a little late today, but uh, it's one five three nine six six four six eight zero one. That'll be posted in the future on all videos. And uh, also, you can go check our Twitter at, at Ashes Pathfinder. And currently, there's a pinned post showing you where you can catch the show live, um, catch the vods on YouTube, and the places to listen to the audio. So Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean currently just putting that out there for anybody who's interested. Now we do take questions from YouTube videos. It's sometimes from um, Reddit, whenever there's a post there. Um, So all community questions I do pull from different sources of interaction. And definitely we are going to be bringing some of those up from the past week from you all here up on the show today, but let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of that gameplay session, right? Did anybody else hear toast scream? (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like that felt like I that came from, to bring that up like, that came from like the gut right that was like yeah. a guttural yeah. like oh that was like whoa yeah <laughs> I mean, that was okay that was a deep deep from your soul i think, I think we all can relate to one of those moments mm-hmm. in gaming where we're just like oh <laughs> yeah yeah um oh, yeah uh, so other yeah. other points, I'm just going to go down the list and let's just dig in on, on any of these in, in no particular order. Right. So we got to see killing of PI members. He would literally <laughs> like if you were corrupted, Stephen would kill you. Sometimes he'd flag people on and, and kill them. Um, luckily, I was not one of those poor, for, unfortunate individuals. Um, feels kind of good, man. But by saying that, Stephen will probably hear this and then probably come find a way to make me pay later so (laughs) just seems like you know just seems like the right thing to do somehow i don't know why but it does there were dust worms outside of the city at one point uh i forget which particular note it was but you saw a bunch of dust worms outside gathered as a mob looked like i wasn't sure if it was like a uh you know potential like 
world boss mechanic kind of situation or something different. Um, but definitely it was good to kind of see that they were testing some things like that. There was a jumping puzzle at one point where Maggie couldn't just couldn't make the, the jump repeatedly. Um, you know, kind of, it was a funny moment, you know, but they were talking about how essentially you would have things like jumping puzzles, which was always good to see. Um, and then I think there was also a point around that, uh, you know, these are the types of, uh, elements <clears throat> in dungeons, et cetera, that you would see, um, some use of class abilities around, which was kind of cool. Um, we saw node citizenship and election mechanics in the rigged. Yeah, it was definitely rigged. But, you know, it was interesting, you know, seeing that I wasn't really expecting to see some of that. There was purchasing in node player housing, um, constructing the blacksmith, which was pretty interesting too. Um, schematics for armor and weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. We saw Steven's caravan and his little intention for a, a Steven war there. Um, that was pretty interesting. So those were some of the main points that I was able to capture. It was, you know, when I looked at that, I thought that's, that's actually crazy quite a bit of information that people could could kind of dig into on absolute ton yeah i mean where mm -hmm. do you want to start <laughs> i think just pick on anyone that really really sparks your your interest the most any of you so for me mm -hmm. i i'm I, I i like the combat obviously i i've seen various comments on youtube surrounding the combat a lot of people were saying like oh it's boring it's your typical mmo one thing that i'm curious to see is how the combat will evolve bearing in mind that we've only so far got three classes out of eight and each yeah. class has only got maybe half of their available skills like we haven't seen the secondary class system at all yet we haven't seen much of the action combat yet so I'm really curious to see how that evolves as we go on. I think this what they've provided so far is a good starting point, and it will be interesting to see how it develops further. I think that uh, and, definitely. And they haven't really showed us any light of the hybrids, like uh, going a tank and a mage, or mm -hmm. the, like the, yeah, those the specialized classes. skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the secondary classes skills. So there's still a lot more. For sure. I, my main gripe is always on housing. <laughs> um, the, so I I guess I was expecting more about in-game housing. To me, it just looks like a uh, like a small community project right now. Like the plots are really small. There's not really that much to work with as far as space. And also, why don't any of the windows have any actual windows? Like, you can just jump through in and out everybody's house. Like, what? Uh, can you explain that away with magic? Uh, <laughs> magic uh, everything. Didn't you know that? And also, I'm curious if there's going to be a function of uh, if you can bar people from coming into your home so freely. Uh, I, I know there was, like, Toast and Maggie going in and out of Steven's house. Like, nothing. Uh, like, hey, I'm in his house. Look at me. So I'm curious if they're going to have a certain system that's going to say, okay, I'm only allowing access to guildies, only allowing access to friends lists, such and such, kind of like that. Also, um, on the 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 house appearance itself, I'm curious if uh, when when they say you're going to upgrade to a mansion later on in like the level five node, uh, metro node, 
if that plot is going to actually be big enough to expand or if it's going to go just straight up. It's, it's yeah, it's, a lot of questions. it's all good point. <laughs> yeah. I'd be amazed if they didn't have some kind of filter that you can set so that you would be able to stop random people from entering mm -hmm. your house. If if they don't do that, then that would be a huge, huge mistake. In, and it, some... sorry. sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Yeah. Okay, it um it also brings up uh the point of in game in in node housing versus freehold uh housing. Like the benefits and the uh, basically the pros and cons of it. So uh, I don't really see right now any real uh, sort of uh, difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't see. Uh, I, yeah, I do see a difference, but I, I I don't really see a benefit to having uh, in node housing versus freehold housing. I feel like right now freehold housing is more appealing. Mm because of uh, the plot layouts and how much you can have on it and possibly make that into what you want it to be in the world as opposed to just a basic uh, one plot uh, house that's, yes, it's protected, but what else can you do in it? It depends what you can put in the in-note right. housing. If you can mm -hmm. have like right. store chests in the in-note housing, then I can see a lot of people uh, wanting that. Uh, but then it goes back to um, you have all these people who purchased into the uh, cosmetic packs who mm. may not want to put that on their uh, standalone freehold, but maybe they want to put it into their regular end-node in, in housing. Like, is that mm. going to be an option for them, or are they just out of luck and they have to go find a freehold to plot, plop down? Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> kind of curious about that, too. So yeah, that was my main gripe. Like I, I'm always, I'm always looking out for the housing yeah. space of it because I get so into that. Especially you mentioned when you guys mentioned on the last last podcast about yeah. uh, the artisanship of uh, uh, basic, basically like someone who is a, a furniture mm -hmm. crafter. Like uh, Stephen actually confirming that that's amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'll be my shtick. That'll be my, my yeah. Thing. That is a so profession. No, it's it's definitely valid. It's, I'll be interested. Again, we're kind of we're still at the point now where we are seeing this the proof of concepts. We're still at that stage, and it will be interesting to see how it expands outwards. Uh, I I feel though that we also need to, referring back to the title of the last podcast. Uh, managing our expectations mm. with it because so i see a lot of people particularly on discord saying oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that oh i'm gonna they've got all these grand plans of what they're gonna do in game and there's a little thing in the back of my mind that says yes but it might not be like that so in don't what, set your in, expectations too high in what in, in what uh, aspect do you say to tweak their expectations like in terms in your of in what? your mind Let's From take your housing, for example. There's some people who are like, oh, I'm going to have all of this different stuff inside my house. I'm going to have the trophies of all my kills, etc. And it's all going to be fantastic. And everyone's going to come and party at my house. And you may not be able to get everything in the house that you want to. In fact, it's probably mm -hmm. more likely that you will have to choose and, and right. more specialize in terms of the freehold housing. 
Yeah, the problem with that is they've already decided, they already have this idea that that's what they're going to do before they've actually communicated what is going to be available to do with exactly. housing. I think it would be a huge detriment for Ashes to limit limit the housing because at the current moment I'm playing ESO yeah. and the housing is very limited to uh, basically what you can the number of uh, housing items you can put into your house due to their server mm-hmm. and engine limit and it's one of the biggest gripes mm-hmm. that's been going on for years uh, but they continually to add uh, like. Uh, storage chest in the crown store which is yeah. their in-game shop that you have to buy to put your extra uh stuff into this chest and also now most of the housing community if they have multiple houses they use those homes 200 or plus uh slots as uh basically storage units so i mean it's it's it'll be really really uh limiting mm-hmm. <laughs> if they it go is. that route like uh i don't know because i i think like if if the achievements are in game and you have a bust or you have a certain sword or whatever uh from a boss or from a legendary i think you should be able to get those things into your house because they're not coming from say uh you know uh a uh store right in-game shop that you have to buy. So I think all the stuff that comes from the game, like achievements and stuff right. that come with us, those should be automatically be able to put into your house. Yeah, that's fair. Just a question. With the ESO housing, is that instanced or open world? It is instanced. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. In, yeah. With, when you've got instance housing, you can do so much more. Right. It. It's so much more flexible. I, I think back, in fact, I think the the housing system that I like the best is actually from RuneScape. RuneScape has absolutely fantastic housing, and they've got a whole profession around the, around the housing. And it would it only works the, as well as it does because it is instanced. Mm-hmm. I, if it was open-world housing, it just flat out wouldn't work, I don't think. So that's something mm-hmm. we need to keep in mind with the well then one could argue about the cosmetics in the uh the shop that they're introducing to everyone monthly (laughs) with all these effects and supposed floors and whatnot if you have say in the vicinity of a zoi you have you have like 50 people plotting the freeholds and they all have the same uh, the tower that we saw a couple of shows ago where it's like this huge storm above it. Right. You have like 50 freeholds running that tower. Like, like what about performance? You know, that, that, that goes back to the limitation. Yeah. Like, is everyone going to be able to see all those uh, effects in the area? How's that going to work out yep. um, as far as performance? Is it an on and off button that you just turn right. off? Or is it, <laughs> or is it just, it only it shows for the people who have the have it in their freehold, but on the outside, no, it just looks like a regular building to them, kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know what I mean? Like, how mm-hmm. are they going to uh, deter uh, differentiate from that? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. You know, fair. I mean, they haven't really showed us huge housing yet. Like, we've only seen like small scale ones, and the like. If you think about it, the small scale ones um have huge land plots and like they kind of showed us what you can put on it 
like I think the max amount of stuff that you can put on. So it's Perfect. very um, like if it's going to be open world, I get that. But like they still haven't showed us huge parts of housing um, that we can actually customize the interior of those and like put a lot mm -hmm. of objects inside. So um, we still don't know that yet. No. And they haven't yeah, shown sure. us how you actually place. They haven't shown us placing of the objects inside exactly. the freehold. They've just seen this is an example of what you might have as your freehold, but we have, don't know how it's going to work exactly. And I mm -hmm. think until we get that, it's very hard to make any kind of judgment call on that because mm -hmm. there's so many different ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do feel like that's like really the 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 message of of even last episode and this episode and probably like the reoccurring message. I feel like I'm always trying just from my own perspective to say until I like encourage people to be aware of. And that's, you know, everything is subject to change. Like we, like technically everything's still pre alpha, like and in any any true alpha, what you see is representative of the current like goalpost, but that goalpost is very much changing. And I think if you look at alpha zero and you look at the current state that is being shared, like it's a massive difference, but it's still important to note that not only can you not take it at face value and pass a judgment that this is now what we're going to get, but you have to be aware that what you currently see as much as you love it or hate it can change significantly by the time we get to a true alpha state that then leads into a beta like beta is like the period where you really are going to know I have a really good estimation for what you're going to get because not not too much in beta changes at that point you're just fine tuning a lot of things like alphas a lot of that can change so let's talk about something we we do see <laughs> which is the action combat and tab target mode right that's traditional mmorpg mode and uh this this action mode that's currently in the iteration of gameplay right currently we don't know what what that's going to be you can't take that and go this is great i can't wait to do the game like this because it could change um but you also can't be like oh i hate this so this game is going to be horrible well it's not done this is the earliest iteration i think the most important thing that I've got to say about this. And I talked about this on the LFM show last Thursday, which is the podcast that really is just about MMORPGs, gaming culture, the game development elements. We have, uh, we bring all kinds of different people on. It could be creators. It could be, uh, it could be developers. It could be community members with games or something. Um, but we had a really good conversation there talking about the PI test. And by the way, if you'd like to check it out, it's uh, Thursday, 5 PM CDT here on this channel. Awesome. Great. With that being said, <laughs> <laughs> with that being said we had a pretty good conversation around the action and tab target element and uh the nathan napalm which is one of our uh uh one of our you know panel or you could say basically one of our round table members uh was asked, asked me a question he was like hey so in your opinion based on you know and he said prefaced keeping in mind that this is still a very early iteration of the game etc do you think that you could see this working? And I gave him my perspective, which was, yeah, I do. Like, because currently, and this could change a lot, but I feel like I can see the gains that were made from APOC. As much as people hated it, like, I genuinely do feel and do believe 
that they did get information and gathered a lot from that that helped them with where they're at right now. You see it in the art style of the environment. You see it in uh, the uh, UI. You see it in uh, the action and tab target game modes. Now, back in Alpha Zero, you just had this traditional tab target MMORPG vibe, right? And currently, when I was playing, I could literally hit a button. I could tab between that 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 same combat style from Alpha Zero and what seemed to be a working iteration of something they've adapted from APOC that clearly wasn't there before APOC existed. Um, so I told them, I said, based on what I, what I played and what I tried, I can see what they're going for. If they can pull it off, it's going to be pretty cool because I'm used to there. You being kind of somewhere in the middle and not really being able to like toggle back and forth. So if you're able to do that toggle back and forth, um, I definitely see how this could really work. And it could really work to kind of cater to the different the different crowds, the people that want the tab target traditional MMORPG vibe and the people that want that action combat vibe. Um, but the tab target system, there's there's definitely like this like minor transition period where you can't just switch modes and automatically. You know, what I mean, it's not like super fluid to where I can be like weapon swapping in ESO, for example, right, where you weapon swap and you can keep it in your buttons. There's a there's like mm-hmm. a that minor transitioning with your camera kind of back. So I don't know if it's intentional by design. I, I I'm wondering if it is. If it is, it seems to make sense that they would do that so that people couldn't take advantage of too much of one or the other. Like you'd really have to be committed in the moment in combat, you know, consistently to one or the other. I don't know if it's purposeful. I don't know if it's just the way it works right now. Uh, but if it is purposeful and by design, uh, I think I feel like I get what they're going for here, you know, to where you couldn't really like take advantage of both, just switching back and forth super quickly. Like you really got to be mm-hmm. kind of committed in the moment to one or the other and transition when you have the opportunity that isn't really going to exist if you're like probably in PVP, I think. But it's just speculation on my part. But the, um, the only other game that I can really compare what you're talking about yeah. maybe, is uh, Revelation Online. If anybody ever played that, it's mm-hmm. uh, pretty much it's, it's a Eastern MMO that came out a few years ago. Uh, and they have a similar system where you could uh, you could switch between traditional tab and then action and then literally hit another button and go between both. The thing that uh, people left that game in droves <laughs> was because the uh, tab targeting really, really outshined the action combat. So uh, I'm pretty sure other games have this issue where tab targeting, basically, you could shoot people through walls or through environmental objects. But in the action combat sense, you couldn't do that. You have to be uh, LOS to even get a hit off. And the PvP in that game was very lopsided because everyone who was top tier would just use tap target to shoot people from far away through objects. So um, I'm hoping that that's not the case with Ashes and that they really tweak both systems to uh, work properly. So that tab targeting or that swapping is relatively quick? It's relatively quick, yes. Like you could you could be uh, doing action and then all of a sudden you just switch over to tab targeting and then switch right back over. Uh, but the 
but uh, also there was a bug in that game where uh, you you'd be switching between, and you could you could literally lag other people out from doing their scope. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm torn on the way that if how Ashes is going to do it, if that's by design, where you've got that little kind of pause transition thing. Mm-hmm. I personally don't particularly like that um, purely because the way I see it in high level combat, particularly for PVP, you're probably going to be encouraged to be switching quite regularly between action and tap target, particularly if the uh, all the hard CC is action combat. So mm-hmm. regardless of what you feel, you are going to have to use action combat if you want to be competitive in PvP. Because otherwise, like, not going into PvP and not using any hard CC, you're just dead. You're dead in the water. Mm. Not going to happen. So you are going to have to switch between them. The way that I would do it, if if it's a balancing issue, if that's what they're worried about, then I would put, like, for example, say you, you've got a maximum of three swaps on a short cooldown like let's say Mm. a 20 second cooldown but you can swap three times in quick succession doing it like that i feel like that would be a compromise i say two (laughs) two two swaps in 20 yeah i mean it's but the the idea is there i mean you can always tweak the balance and how many swaps and how many seconds cooldown but the idea is there. i think that would give much more engaging gameplay than this kind of we are forcing you to pause while you switch um mm. i don't know yeah it's more of like this it's it's not even really a pause as much as as much as it's like a transition um but yeah i don't know it's definitely something to look at i mean it's one of those things that i wish i could show it to people but there's no there's a visual nda in place yeah. so can't Is really it, show like, it really noticeable though like when you're um you're doing it it's kind of like like the action combat style is definitely that over the shoulder feel and it's kind of like imagine going over the shoulder to like the and having a reticle uh yeah to like transitioning back to like more of a in line with your character being in front of you regardless of your distance being in front of you and not having the reticle so it's kind of like a it's almost it almost feels like a slight panning of the camera like Mm. very slight of going from looking right to the right side of you to just kind of panning a little bit to the left, right over, right overhead, and the reticle going that, away. How long does that take? I mean, it's definitely like less than a second. I mean, like maybe okay. half a second, or maybe like 0.25 to 0.5 somewhere in there of a second. Even even half okay. a second. It can be. <laughs> Which we yeah, talked about. You can mm-hmm. die in yeah. half a second. Yeah, I mean, it's like blinking. You're dead. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we yeah, we were talking about that. Like, I think last Thursday, which was because we were talking about like something that I think is very interesting to tie in later is one of the things in terms of combat that tends to always be an issue for me is like not having like uh, a, a, like consistent synchronization of the animations, uh, cast bars, and things like that. And so, Pantheon Rise of the Fallen has actually been they re- released a video kind of outlining their their way of working on that. And so it's just one of those things that, you know, it's like I hope that Ashes is kind of seeing that, kind of paying attention to that. Um, because, you know, when you look at things like the the camera panning, switching modes, 
or any of those types of, you know, just animations in general, whether you're talking about a cast or, uh, you know, action combat sort of stuff, like you definitely want to ensure that all of that's synced up right. So, you know, it's one of those things that is, in my mind, on the agenda for when the game launches. Is this one of those fundamental components that's like squared away? It's got to be. Mm. Sounds very interesting. Like, I would have to like have my should, hand on it to, yeah, to mm-hmm. see how that flows because mm-hmm. it would, like Miss said earlier, it would mm-hmm. really be like really detrimental to say you're in a big group, like a GVG or something, and oh you're, you're a healer or not even a healer, but you're a, a DPS in the back, you're, you're ranged and you're trying to get uh, shot off, and then oh crap, I have to switch over to uh, tab target really quick. But, you know, that split second, uh, like 10 of your teammates die. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Right. I mean, like, if they go you got, slower gameplay, then it can. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about work, the DPS fall off. Like, yeah. 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 That's why That's why you have to stay committed. Like, mm-hmm. if you're willing to change, it needs to cost something. Yeah, I agree. You, you can't just change the way that you play in a matter of seconds and it doesn't cost you anything. There's there's a reason you're supposed to do it for, and and that reason justified that change. Right. That sounds good for PvP, but in PvE where you're like you have maybe a burn phase. Yeah. And they all your DPS not all your DPS, but a few <laughs> you know, a good chunk of the DPS is like having to switch uh to a certain skill, all those that DPS drop off, you know, and then you lose yeah. the timer or that's why when people try to find out, in my mind, I would tell people not do it all together, mm-hmm. but make it one at a time so that DPS wouldn't fall as much. Mm. Or even a tank. Say if a tank has to switch, that aggro gets lost. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Yeah, it's just like, as a healer, I'm like, bye guys. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing in chat I that uh, love that. That'd be brilliant. The one thing, one thing in chat that uh, Dell, I'm just gonna say Dell said was uh, kind of talking about having looked at the footage and was curious around the optimization. And I think uh, that is something. I mean, we can talk. I can talk about the experience, and any of us can talk about it. I definitely would say too that uh, compared to Alpha Zero or APOC, they're def they've definitely done a lot with optimization. There definitely were some things that were you know, problematic that you would expect there to be, you know, like you get your desyncs, like you get weird uh, mob, like, you know, weird aggro tables or something, or like they, they reset or they like, don't really reset, like maybe consistently and based on their like level or, you know, just different things like that. Um, <laughs> got aggroed from so far away and got stomped by one mob. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're not. I mean, to be fair, Chibi and uh, and Veertech didn't make it, but I I did. So <laughs> R- roll dodge, roll dodge away, friends. You just roll dodge to your heart's content, man. So glad that's in the game. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can roll dodge when I'm gonna be getting attacked to see if it mitigates it, and it did. And I was like, oh baby, <laughs> win roll dodge for the win. It was beautiful. Uh, there was like one thing I talked about yesterday that I thought was really interesting. So. One one thing I want to like, you know, talk about is I wish that I could I wish that like I could have 
taken video clips of specific areas from Alpha Zero. Like, it's definitely the same map, but navigating it was so different. Like, I don't know if it's actually the case or not. I, I, I really don't know, but it felt almost like things were spread out more. Like, they were generally, based on the map and, and location, they were generally in the same area. But it was almost like along the way, there was so much more filling in that space. And even the terrain changed a lot. Like, it wasn't just the exact same terrain. Like, you had spots where the terrain was the same, and then you had spots that was like, oh, look, a cliff that never existed. And also, was this all just added here? Like, there's a coast with a bunch of, uh, you know, boats and and ships and, and, and huts and stuff like that, and fishermen. And, and then you'd see, like, different ruins that weren't there before, and ruins that were there aren't there. And I got to one spot that I remembered being there, like, middle northern middle of the map or i think or something like that and it was like this this kind of cut out that went down into the you know it looked like maybe it was under realm or dungeon or something and i remember going down there and i was down there with like chibi and Viertek, and we were running around and and we like got to this like entrance and it was like sealed off with boulders or something like purposeful they're like you cannot go through here yet but there was like this archway and then behind it was like a much bigger cave entrance and like right in front of you, uh, as you were looking into this cave entrance through this little archway, like it was almost like a, a small wall or fence. But you had these two right at that doorway, almost like these two little um, seahorse looking kind of like little seahorse heads or something. And then like we were sitting there going, oh, my God, that's so cool. And then as like I looked to my side, I was like, oh, my God, you guys look up, look up to the sides of this and like cave wall or whatever. And there was like these massive like seahorse statues. And I was just going like, I, you know, of course, as somebody who's interested in lore, I'm going, so what's that about? Like, what does that even tie into? And then, of course, there was like the whole uh, um, ruins with the big head that you've seen in some of the artwork. And there was like these tentacles or whatever. Again, kind of going like, what's that about? Help was written in the ground in a relatively same areas before. And I was like, awesome. It's like written in the sand. You're just like, what's that about? Just a, nice. just a, just, just some fun, fun situation, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, it was like, it was nuts. It was nuts. Like even like the area where you load in was, it was like the same, sort of the same layout, but just expanded upon and elaborated on so much more. Uh, so it, and again, you know, my thoughts are, is this is still just like this alpha island they talked about? but mm. it went from okay cool this is awesome to holy shit you guys what the hell just happened here it was a I mean, it's pretty the, drastic sorry no go go <laughs> i was curious if that big head and the uh the octop octopus things uh were part of were the actual top of that dungeon they showed years ago the uh, octopus yeah. uh, temple. Right, when right. you look up, there's those tentacles coming down. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if that's the same dungeon. I mean, you feel like it's got to be, right? I hope so. Changing the subject a little bit. Yeah. Sim, I have a question sure. regarding the node enhancement. Oh, so, yeah. To level up the nodes, uh, you need part of it is donating resources to the node to help level it up right right i mean yeah 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 um do you need 
like for example do you need to provide specific resources depending on the level of the node or is it just you need to provide wood you need to provide ore of some kind that's a good question uh i want to say i didn't really i didn't really explore the those particular quests in that in the node as it developed uh i did some things that contributed and i know other people were too but uh yeah i don't i don't know i don't know about that i don't know if i could answer the specifics on that i don't know if there's even enough information around that like in terms of mm. like the variable you know the variation in, in what would actually count like is it is it is it even the resources like i don't know this is like definitely some back-end like algorithm that they've got that they'd have to share i think but you know is it is it really how much i bring or we bring in terms of like quantity of a resource or is it just related to like a turn-in like a quest ticker hmm. you know because we know that even nodes just the, mm -hmm. even just in like making the blacksmith you have yeah. to provide wood and ore yeah or stone yeah, yeah. like can it be any wood or does it have to be specific kinds of woods? That's a good question. I mean, it was pretty, I mean, honestly, in this iteration, it's just wood is wood. Hmm. Well, actually, I might have to retract that because technically there were different kinds of ore, but I didn't do wood collecting. I did ore collecting and there were different types of ore and you had to have like, you know, higher graded picks to like do that, to like farm different ores. Hmm. So, I mean, that was definitely in place. You know, the, did, the, you mm -hmm. did you partake in that in a gathering? I did, oh, but specifically for ore, though. Ore and yeah, I didn't. How long do. did it take to deplete? Yeah, well, it was like just a one, it was a one. So, uh, yeah, when you when you depleted mm -hmm. that one, it was like yeah, pop it was, up automatically. Yeah, it was gone at that. Yeah, it was like you, you, you loot it once and it's done. I feel like they're probably going to change that maybe, but. Cause some of that was still buggy too. Like, you know, you have stuff hovering, which was, I will say that the other thing is that they were pretty, you know, it was really good. Cause like what was outlined was definitely, you know, they definitely knew what they wanted tested and I can't really like share more than that. They definitely knew what they wanted tested and, and it was, it was pretty, pretty consistent. So they definitely had a pretty solid, pretty solid plan of action for like, here's what we want to do. Here's what was that? And <laughs> I'm a dwarf and I am digging a hole. <laughs> so when you guys were fighting that dragon, did they did they add any uh, <laughs> elemental damage to you guys, like with the lava, or is that still the same where it's just you can walk over it? Yeah, you could walk over it. It was you could definitely notice even in the videos, like you're walking over it and you didn't get hurt by it. Not that that really mattered because the dragon would freaking rip you to pieces. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, speaking of so what what type of ore did you encounter? Yeah, I didn't make notes on that, homie. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> because I, I, I was looking at the caravan <laughs> system. I was like, in the video, it, it showed you basically gold, silver, and grand essence. I was very confused between these three. Uh, I know what gold and silver are, of course. But like, I thought, I assume that you can put items like weaponry in, in the caravan system. So I don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah. I was actually really curious what the, the essences were used for. Like, I wasn't sure if that was like a, I mean, clearly that's used for something. I know you could sell some of that, but I wasn't really sure in terms of crafting or any kind of artisanship. I assume maybe it was used for enchanting. Um, mm -hmm. It was definitely, I mean, I learned, a, I earned a lot of that. 
but I, there wasn't really anything that I was aware of that I could go like turn it in for. There were people that were in there like, just, you know, let's, let's be the first and do it all first and grind it out. Like it's a live game and we're keeping it. And it's like, dude, you're not, you're not keeping that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean though? So, you know, it was, it was, how was the, um, sorry to interrupt you. Oh man, you're good. How was the, uh, the money system? Cause I, I don't really pay attention when they go, uh, turn in stuff. Is it like, other games where it's silver, copper, and gold, or is it just all gold? Yeah, it was silver? just like gold for me. Yeah. It was the only thing I noticed was one currency. I felt like it was pretty fair for the level I was, too. I mean, I felt like it was... But again, true alpha, right? All of this stuff we're even talking about completely changed. We could yeah. get we could get multiple, you know... For all we know, we could get like, a, you know, you tap the node uh, resource, like a mining node or uh some sort of like you know uh cloth note or something you could be looting that you could get multiple like i'm kind of wondering like is it just going to be once only and it disappears or is it going to be like i've tapped it and so now i can like click on it a few times to loot it and if it's tapped does that mean somebody else could come and hit it another time as i'm continuing to loot it you know like or i've i'm trying to loot it someone come up and troll me and be like i'm going to keep clicking on that and then once you get done maybe i can get a you know, get a click in and, and take some of the resource too. I mean, who knows, man, such, it's such early. They were going to do clusters, like clusters of ores that then you like, and once you've like fully depleted that cluster, Mm -hmm. then it just despawns and doesn't come back and appears like somewhere else in the world. Yeah. good. That was what they originally said. I don't know whether they've changed their minds Mm -hmm. on that or stick to it or not. Yeah. Currently that's definitely the way it was working though, which was, I was good with it, you know. I don't mind it. Also, Faisal, I've now got that song in my head. Hey, I assume Sim doesn't know the song, so I'm gonna send them. I don't want to. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't need that troll <laughs> oh, in my life. Shall we sing it to you? Nope. Actually, you know, next point. So let's do some cute. <laughs> Let's read some questions real quick. But any other takeaways for you for you guys on uh, on any of the discussion points or things that you noticed from the videos? I think we touched oh, on about the uh, Ooh. the uh, stuck in place animation. Like uh, if you're a caster, how you're just stuck in one yeah. place casting. That kind of. <laughs> That definitely ties into something that Miss brought up yesterday, which we we may end up shelving for the next show because I feel like we're gonna get into talking about some of that sort of dynamic a little bit. But you know, so mainly that the the point was brought up was you know, uh, and I think actually Woodchip was actually talking about that yesterday too, is like different perspectives. But uh, Miss was saying you know, as like a caster, like you know, you want to basically share your point, like your what your question was. Uh, oh. I don't remember what exactly. I okay, said, so uh, caster combat, general, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, you got it. Go. <laughs> yeah, I got it written down. So uh, caster combat, player combat. You know, in terms of, uh, is there going to be like a rooting? So Stephen had mentioned previously. Uh, you know, we, they really want to play the risk reward scenario. It's a big uh, pillar of the game, right? So when you talk about that, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I was looking at a few things like when you when you have a rooted animation, sort of like I'm stuck in place as I'm casting. Like, do you want to make that? Do you want to just hard line it to where it's all casts are, are you know rooted in place? 
and then you have instacast that you can use as you're running around or should there be some variation in the middle like i'm kind of curious what some of your all's thoughts are on that maybe even related to what you noticed in, in some of the videos if I it's a uh... <laughs> go ahead Faisal. no no you take it away i kind of cut you off i was, off. Gonna, I'm sorry. Say, <laughs> I was gonna say if it's a a skill or uh yeah, if it's a skill that's a high high off uh, high pain skill, uh, then yeah, I, I expect a longer cast or even uh, some type of rooting animation in order for that payoff to actually matter. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Uh, what's it called? I think it, I I do agree with Mackie and and uh, what's it called? I think it really varies because if it's a high damage skill and it has a really big AOE effect, I think they need to be staying in place. Like I, ca I just cannot imagine a wizard is able to do a really big spell while moving and dancing like a ballerina at the same time. So <laughs> it's a little bit unimaginable. But like, um, when it comes to like small small spells, like uh, maybe an ice blast that would slow down enemies or uh, for a small radius, not a huge radius or, or a small route that's for, that lasts a couple of seconds, not, not a long one. Um, those I think you can do on the move. I think. <laughs> so I got a question in chat and I feel like this is very important that I answer this for everybody here. Uh, the Zemix said, Sim, is it the lighting or you got some sign? Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> I would forgot to. I wish Patrick was here. He would have aided me with it. <laughs> oh, I wish that it was the latter. Radiant light. There we go. Ooh, I like Always that. Radiant. The, what, the powerful pally radiant light tanned you yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> my face looks blue on my screen is it just me okay I mean, you look red. To me, you look red. do i really below the eyes you're red mm -hmm. it's it's like you you two oh, different color shades very, yeah. it's very weird you're weird I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, let's, let's talk about some of the questions. Okay, let's hit on some of these questions. Uh, these come from the community directly from the video or Discord or any other of the other places where y'all contribute. And again, remember, if you watch the show or on the show, you comment on the show, you're a Pathfinder because you contribute to the carrying of the torch. Rash is a creation, friends. So... All of your questions are always welcome, right? So let's uh, hit on a few of these. Ben said, on caravan attack time conversion, it would be interesting if you could attack specific points. Say you all attack the wheel. It would stop the caravan. Maybe you finish off the guards easily. You could break down the door and just raid it. Maybe it's a rival guild and you decide to fully destroy the vehicle to cause a bigger disruption to their economy. Uh, I find that really interesting. I'm kind of wondering how easy that would be to pull off though, when you think about having to balance all the other things, because Steven did talk about components for the caravan, which we, we hit on last time, right? Like components to the caravan that essentially you could beef up its stats. Um, so I could see based on that, how this would work. 
Um, I don't know. What are some things around that you all think would be important to be cautious about? Oof. Components in like having like split up into different targeted components. It's been done before. Yeah. The thing I would be concerned about is how we, the, the risk reward of killing, destroying a single component versus just using a ton of AOE and just nuking the whole thing. I feel to balance it, they need to put some kind of AOE resistance on the caravans to stop that kind of... If they wanted to have that kind of more in-depth gameplay, you'd need to have some kind of way to stop people from just AOE nuking it to oblivion. Mm-hmm. Like a magic item on the caravan that emits a shield around it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or just give it a passive effect that it reduce any AOE damage uh, gets reduced by a certain amount. Mm. Be, mm. Yeah, I'd be concerned about them buffing it too much because of smaller groups. Because uh, then it would be uh, better to be in a smaller group defending mm -hmm. against a larger group, and you get a better reward for that. Um, that would be my only gripe. Like, uh, if if say. A whole guild is like, oh, let's go, uh, let's go defend this caravan. We get uh, x x amount of a reward because we're a small group right now, mm -hmm. and a larger group will attack us. So we'll get uh, an enhanced reward for being a small group. Um, I kind of feel like that would uh, defeat the purpose of caravans uh, as far as large scale PvP. But. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be my only concern about how how big of a buff they get, and what are the rewards for uh, uh, holding out as a small group. Hmm. So another question, and and this is a, a actually from chat too. There was like it was brought up that you know is there dueling? Like no, but the corruption system was in play already too. So there was definitely like a lot of different layers to this test. There were a lot of things that were being tested out. So it wasn't it was not as cookie cutter as oh, things just look pretty and you're running around in the same place. It just looks prettier. Like there were a lot of mechanics being tested. Like, I mean, flight was tested Freaking run around. Your mount was tested. Gliding was tested. Uh, all of that stuff was being tested. Like corruption was being tested. Um, interaction with different merchants, with different things. We, we hit on some of that already. Like, I just can't stress enough, like for, for them being at this point, and not even being an alpha, there was a lot more on the table being tested. And you can see the direct tie-in from APOC and even Alpha Zero, like this middle ground that they're working from. So just really great. So Dennis on YouTube had mentioned, hey, how do you prevent Zergs not having an advantage over smaller groups? And this ties into what we were just talking about, right? The bigger force usually beats a smaller force unless you have a tactical advantage of some sort, like rough terrain, natural defense, and formations. How can you ensure that kind of tactical advantage in a situation where a caravan moves forward in relatively open areas you can't defend the caravan with a smaller force unless you have a much much better gear than the attacking larger force so i see a couple of things that come into play here one of your thoughts as, as well so we look at like we'll look at the guild dynamic right so they talked about how uh you know the the larger guild you know has got the advantage in numbers and Steven mentioned potentially smaller guilds might have certain buffs to help. Again, all subject to change, early discussion points, we don't know. But this is definitely an element I think that could play a factor in there as, along with 
you know, components to the caravan? And then, you know, is there like a timer for it? Is it constantly in a state of um, uh, like combat? You know, is it constantly being in conflict? Um, and, you know, last time I even talked about like, you know, is there like only certain opportunities for that conflict along the path of, let's say, uh, three kilometers, you know, every kilometer you have an opportunity for compact combat when that combat within that window. And so like, as you're, you go in those three kilometers, like maybe you have this, like almost like a timer, right? Like you've seen this in other games where it's like, there's like this timer window of opportunity and you've got to take that uh, opportunity to actually, uh, attack the caravan. I mean, we look at arc age, you, you saw that with conflict and zones. I know that's specifically tied into being able to attack players right but i could see potentially some element of that tying into caravans but what are some of your thoughts uh, around that you all around that question or discussion mm, point to me it's the whole system is a is a huge complicated escort quest yeah uh so we don't know it's like um someone said in chat about scripting so we don't know if the caravan has certain scripts after a certain point where it just mm -hmm. does whatever it wants to do just like with an escort quest. Say you go too far from that escort, they are like cowering in fear, but there's no enemies around. Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> or say you don't keep up with them, and they just respawn at their, their start point. Like, we don't we don't really know what the script of the uh, that caravan is and what the opportunity uh, window is for us to succeed. Um, regarding the... Obviously, you, the nature of open world PvP is that often you'll have a big group versus a small group. Right. And all mm. else being equal, the big group's going to win. That's just the nature of things. And I don't think there's much a developer can do to realistically fix that that doesn't cause a whole different set of issues. Um, one thing that I was just looking up, and I couldn't quite find it, but I know it has been talked about, is uh, Amazon's New World MMO... Mm -hmm. they have um their main sort of open world pvp right now is these invasions where you have control of a fort and then waves of enemies come in and you gotta defend against it there was apparently something where apparently um i don't know smaller groups were struggling um against that versus the larger groups and so the developers have put in a system where it basically buffs up smaller groups and i know there's been some backlash about that i couldn't find it just now but i'll i'll try and look at it maybe for next week or yeah, for the it'd be great talk about it in the uh the looking for more right on podcast yeah, cool but cool. yeah it's it's seen it's a very weird thing i i don't see why you would need to uh pander to smaller groups like that and mm -hmm. when it's designed around sort of large open combat i don't know yeah it's uh to miss this point it's kind of how terror was in the early days uh with their 3v3 uh you could essentially go in with all your gear all your skills and you could smash heads but then uh people started complaining that it was imbalanced so yeah. they equalized it yeah yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that's going to work to like have there being buffs. Well, I mean, if you think about it, too, like if you if you talk about some elements like it potentially can work if you've got like if you do add these like buffs to like smaller communities. Um, but 
you know, because if if like the big Zerg guild decides, OK, we're just going to use like smaller guilds and do the same thing. Well, then only one of those guilds is going to get the prestige. Then you have that element of uh, the different players like we're all in like guild A. Right. But we split up and we also have a guild B, C, D and E. Well, only the people in guild A, if guild A gets the accomplishment of the task or the the prestige for that initiative, if only guild A gets the credit, the guild B, C, D and E that are also part of that greater guild don't get that. And so then you've got like that dynamic within that community of, no, that's not cool. We don't want this. Like we don't, we participated, but we don't get the reward that only this select group has. And so like, I see that being like almost a counterweight, but it's a really tricky situation to like play uh, around with that, those particular components. Cause you know, then you've got like, you know, players being unhappy about this players being unhappy about there being, Faisal looking straight up into the air. And are you talking to your higher power? What's going on there? <laughs> right. I'm just, I just lost in my own chain of thought. I'm just like, this is too much of a complicated question, man. <laughs> oh, much love, homie. I had to take, I had to take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, I keep thinking about it. If a small group goes into a, like, in in a caravan, it goes, it's just gonna get shot down no matter what the shit you're gonna do. It's it's not gonna be that simple. Like, are you gonna put debuffs on the Zergs? I don't know. If you do that, mm. people are gonna get outraged. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Can't compute too much information, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Happy Millen Chat said, wouldn't buffing small caravans take away from the caravan economy they're trying to create? It seems that would uh, nerf the necessity to hire more mercenaries for higher value goods. See, and then, yeah, the idea of mercenary, you're going to have mercenary guilds for sure. That's actually a good point. There's going to be a lot of guilds that are going to be like, yo, we're for hire. Um, we'll protect your caravans. We'll do this. We'll do that. So it's it's easy for us to, to kind of like look at these elements that are clearly going to be part of the game, these dynamics that will exist. But we often forget about that human component and that that a lot of the the design goes into meaningful conflict. And I mean, I think this is a game where politics are going to be a huge component to the game. I do. I do agree. But, but here's the thing. When, when, when you make a caravan, yeah. you, you want to cover the cost of those mercenaries. You, you can't just like go take, take a caravan. I'm going to lose money if I get hire them. So I'm like, I've been talking to some people about this. They usually tell me trade in the system of your what you're trying to do is basically the longer distance it is, the more money you make. Yeah. So, um, I agree. What I mean by this is basically you're able to take one resource and move it across multiple cities and sell them at each point. And the further away it is, usually you sell it higher. Um, what's it called? Um, but but the thing is about mercenaries, how much are you willing to hire? Because at the end of the day, you're facing a huge group of people. Like it, like are you going to hire like three or four mercenaries and expect them to face off a huge group? It's 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 kind of it's well, kind of how many. Attackers you're going to face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's the thing. Don't want to spend tons of money on fifty or hundred mercenaries if there's only going to be three attackers. Mm-hmm. Will we know that information ahead of time? No, you won't. That's 
okay, so I would rather have fifty <laughs> mercenaries than two just to cover my grant my you know my ground. Uh, like just to use money. Your True, money. and that that brings me to uh, a point I was going to bring up is you have these smaller guilds who are going to be at the mercy of these mercenary guilds who. Um, they have no loyalty to. So right. midway through the negotiations, they could just be like, okay, you paid us already, but guess what? We're not going to show up. <laughs> we, we got oh, sold yeah. out. Or That's even, right. we'll pay you half now, we'll pay you half when it's done. So, right, you already paid us half, so what's the other half to us, you know? Or mm-hmm. we could go and help the attacking group now. Oh, we already know what, what you're going to be moving or what your plan is, so let's go tell these other attackers, see if they can up the price for us to help them. Man. See if they... That's where the human nature comes in. True. But then nobody was hired. Like... Be a dick or are you going to be the knight <laughs> people are looking for? You know, so, you know what it actually reminds me of way back when The Elder Scrolls Online was launching. And I remember we were, I was playing beta and you know, at the time, like, you know, when, when the game launched, uh, my guild was called Force at the time. And was basically like got done with Sotor and we we're playing stuff. We came and I had some really, really good players like but they were really focused on on PVE and their main focus was PVE. And so um, when we started playing the game, there was a small cutout of us that wanted to do PVP, including myself. And, you know, you had that that's separation, but specifically talking to that that domain of people, some of us leaders, we would you know, meet and we would say, okay, so in Cyrodiil, the great PVP zone where you're trying to hold objectives, et cetera, uh, the, the original idea was like, we create these alliances and we all kind of rotate sort of shifts to maintain holding a throne. You could take that same dynamic and apply that to caravan protection, right? Where multiple guilds kind of come and they, they put in their people and they look, they look to actually, you know, help each other in this alliance. It was, ours was actually called the Mistborn Alliance. And so, you know, you had some people from like Guild Wars that were in there, which by the way, they just completely dropped off the face of the earth when the game launched. Just want to say that I got put into a situation where it's like, lead us, lead us. I'm like, I didn't sign up for this, man. I got most stuff to worry about you guys. Like, so the Mistborn Alliance didn't make it very far in the launch but force uh, was there the, the but force. yeah <laughs> yeah but you had these alliances that would form and they would and they were definitely um working in the beginning of the game's launch but those types of alliances continue to exist outside of that game and they will exist in ashes they'll exist yeah. they exist in plenty of other games for sure. Like I did the same thing in Terra with GVGs. Yeah. Uh, I had a smaller guild, like 50 man against like 200, 300 man guilds and other smaller guilds would be, uh, would, would declare mm-hmm. uh, GVG against that bigger guild. So we all could fight them together. So it's definitely, you know, you'll have the, the good guys on your, on your side who'll be like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll protect you during a caravan. But, but, you must pay us uh, you know there there's a certain what is it called uh, yeah. reparations that need to be uh, paid right yeah. so uh, protect your money yeah well, but not even that like if a guild say you both start off at the same level you have a 50 man guild and 50 man guild and they come into an agreement form an alliance 
But then all of a sudden, one guild gets bigger than the other one. Now this guild that got larger is demanding more and is wanting more. You know, so again, it it goes back to human nature. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to really pick who you align yourself with. Join them. (laughs) (laughs) You really got to pick and choose who you align yourself with, pretty much. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit hard, but I mean that's that's the whole node system though. At the end of the day, you're going to make people follow the main node. So like, mm. it's, if you think oh. about, it. <laughs> so that's a good point too because it, really, it depends on who like there's certain running uh, the show. political economical yep. uh, aspects of the node like who's running the economy who's running the the politics of this who is our city planner uh, all those factors go into that so say if you have a, a mayor who oversees all of that but he's really really crappy but then his city planner or city builder is really really good and uh, builds the proper stuff he needs to build people might say just for that guy or there's a religious uh, leader who's doing really, really well with the node, or an economic leader who's doing really, mm-hmm. really well. People will stay for one person. So it's not just allegiance to uh, just one node uh, in particular. Correct. Yes. So, But at the end of the day, that one person that you speak of will need to communicate with everybody that's inside the node, try to gain their favor. Right. If mm-hmm. if it's if that node is run by guilds, it's gonna be. Uh, but then you have that some politics come into play. So if you have that one person and you have this huge group of people who are against him, but the majority of the node is for that one guy, that dude decides, hey, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. I'm gonna up and move to another node. Guess what? Those loyalists are gonna up and move to. Yeah. So depends how much I'm gonna. I'm going to I'm going to actually read a comment a part of a comment from Eric the Red, right? So t- directly ties in what we're talking about here. And it was talking about citizenship playing a big part in regard to caravans, right? So another another thing to think about is regardless of whether you actually like the person <laughs> that might kind of be running the show, right? The thing to think about is which we don't know, right? But hypothetically, let's say that uh, th- the fact this caravan's being taken is going to somehow significantly benefit the financial element for the node, right? Think about all the people that are a citizen of that, right? And go, yo, we're we're about to transport this, and so you've got that element of like people know where it's going to be going on time and all that can work in and against the the people communicating that. But if you think about it, if this person or this guild or whatever like them or not if you know that them getting those goods transported to that place is going to positively impact that metropolis that node and that's where you have your citizenship i feel like that's going to play a pretty big part in terms of like people bolstering you know forces to protect it too right and then you also have okay so that aspect on the same same uh i guess on the same uh, level of that thinking is say you have people who are loyalists to a node like to a metro itself okay right, yeah. but then you have the outlying uh, what are those uh, cities called vassal nodes who yeah. are loyal to that vassal and they see uh, that they there's potential for that metro to fall they could just hold their support from that node and 
uh, work on getting their True. their vassals to rise. True. So there's the whole aspect again of <laughs> politics, espionage, sabotage. Right. You never know. Very, never very know. true. Um, one more point here. Nichols had mentioned uh, essentially talking about uh, APOC and the importance of the players' voices and how a lot of you know the players' voices definitely did you know impact the decisions. Like, I mean, I don't think that they would have stopped with with APOC if you know there weren't enough people going we just don't like this we don't we don't like this and that was the constant like voice like you know from so many people is like wish we weren't doing this tired of seeing this want to see this instead you know and so you see this like morale i call it kind of consider morale decay is kind of my term for it but you see like this morale decay both in terms of the the community and how that synergizes with the development team in itself which we talked about last time something they specifically talked about in the Q and a and the last live stream saying uh, how their, you know, morale in the studio was impacted by seeing that people weren't happy with things. Um, and so I just, you know, I wanted to take that point that Nichols basically had said and, and just encourage everybody like, you know, all of you that contribute to this show, contribute on the forums, contribute to your comments on their Twitter, um, in the discord. And, and those of you that interact, like, you know, your voice does carry weight. Like it can seem like, oh, if I say something, no one's going to like really read it. That's just not the case. Like there's a there's a pretty, pretty strong reception overall in the community of taking ideas and like sharing it and talking about it. And we'll just take this show specifically. I mean, how many times like in the past, what month have we taken other people's contributions and had discussions around it? Right. That doesn't just happen here. That happens in within guilds. That happens on the forums. It happens during the live streams. It happens when people contribute to the questions being asked on live stream. So very important. Like if you have a thought, you have a concern, um, any of those things. Remember, during a true alpha, which is where we're aiming right now, it is important to voice that, to give feedback. And if you test, to give feedback about the performance and the things being tested because if you want the game to be the best it can be, you have to make your contribution. Otherwise, at the end of it all, you know, you can complain about it. But if you didn't like contribute and allow your voice to be heard, I don't know, man. I'm just saying you can't complain if you don't actually tell somebody you have a complaint. Like nobody's going to know. You can't be like, hey, this thing really sucks. I hate seeing this. Look, you could have a skewed perspective, whatever. But, you know, you can't complain that nobody did anything about it if you didn't tell somebody that you didn't like it in the first place and they do listen. They're definitely not going to go and go, Oh my God, this person doesn't like this. Let's change our game plan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it does impact things. So definitely use your voice. But one quick final question before we wind this episode down. Ladra. Plus, go ahead. Go ahead. Faisal. Add to Sim. Yeah. Don't be like, this sucks without saying <laughs> constructive. Constructive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like why it's not and tell me like somewhat of an idea, not not a full one, just like True. maybe how people might fix it. Yeah, you gotta contribute. One thing I wanted to bring up really, really quick before Sim gets wrapping it up. Um for yeah, in the video that uh that, that I saw with uh Ashes was uh, when they went when they went for the uh the mayor voting mayora voting yeah and they yeah. blocked they blocked the, uh, the <laughs> entryway from anyone coming into vote right 
I hope they fix that because uh, imagine a, a guild just blocking off votes that way. True. Like, or at least make it um, make another um, area that citizens can go and uh, put their vote in. That's a good point, man. That's a really good point. Mm. Yeah. They said that you can in towns you'll be able to there'll be inertia physics that you'll be able to like push people out of the way right but if you have a group a of, of like say a hundred oh, guild members okay, packed yeah. into the door mm-hmm. you're gonna be sitting there pushing people like for a long time absolutely true true, true. see how that goes so right, so graphics assume the position <laughs> yes Imagine a rotation of tanks placing those walls on a dory forever. Rebooting chat. <laughs> oh, good <no>. point. <laughs> Rotating the cooldown, right? Oh my god. So, so last question, right? This came from Lager. And basically, it's not really a question. Just kind of a, it's my question, but it was leading topic. Graphics. How big of a sales point is that for for you all, right? Because you've got, you know, for example, uh, the Elder Scrolls Online looks beautiful, looks great, right? Performance in some areas don't just because it looks great like you know what i mean if you can't function like mm-hmm. what's that add up to so where do you kind of where do you all find that you weigh in in terms of like that important element how big of an impact does graphics uh play a role for you when compared to or balancing that with performance uh, uh, i'm guilty of this i'm gonna be <laughs> honest with you i'm 100 percent for pretty things um if i see an mmo that flashes over my screen and it's like beautiful i'm like i'm playing that i'm gonna play that um i'm, I'm totally 100 guilty of that but then when i get into the game and those graphics don't match the substance of the game then i'm 100 out like peace but um i try to give it a chance because uh, you know not all things can be um what is it yeah. don't judge book by its cover mm-hmm. so uh i try to give it a chance if it's an ugly game <laughs> ugly game yeah, ugly games I mean, need love too yeah you put the nail on the head really yeah. the graphics are important because they're what initially draw the player in because if if you look at a game and, and you don't like the way it looks then chances are you're not going to even look into it so the graphics draw you in then the problem that a lot of games have is that they have the pretty graphics to draw the player in but then they don't have the gameplay to back up those graphics. And and that's True. where they lose a lot of players. I agree with that completely. No. Have anyone ever played Monster Hunter World? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, actually not yeah. that one. That beautiful, beautiful game. Beautiful. To but the after tip. a certain point, it's just like, <laughs> same old, same old, same old, same old. Like, but come on, once you enter that game, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll give it to them. They built a beautiful world. The monsters are amazing looking. The it looks just awesome. And you play it. I played it for I want to say too many hours, and uh, but it's the the monsters. They consistently are like the same, the same, the same, the same. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to say is. Monster Hunter World has made very great scenes in some areas. If you want to look at something that's beautiful, you can go there and actually look at it. Right. Like I can stare at the ocean for hours just looking at mountains and trees because how beautiful it is. 
but when it comes to gameplay, they limit that factor. They limit it by a lot too, because you want that performance, you want that clean footing aspect. I think Ashes of Creation should do. I think they should take that approach. Like, have that fancy graphics on, but put it mm-hmm. in areas where, where it matters, like uh, like social gatherings uh, on the world, uh, going from one place to another by a caravan. But when it comes to raids, uh, something that's very important, something that's very mind-consuming, that's when performance matters to me, uh-huh. I think. A game that's guilty of being very, very beautiful, but uh, throwing it all the way because of their flying uh, teleportation system is Terra. Yes. Um, You you can teleport from one place to another on their Pegasus. And literally, their world is beautiful. I don't care what you say about the gameplay or their lore. their, Their game world is still stunning today. It's beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. But they ruined it by letting you just fly all over it <laughs> and not really taking it in. Uh, but well, you yeah. get teleport scrolls. I mean, I was leveling up in Terra. And yeah. At the end of each quest, it tells you to go to the next zone and it gives you a teleportation scroll mm-hmm. for the place that you need to go to. So you just pick the scroll and go straight there. Yeah. Like you don't, you hardly ever need to actually traverse the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is it's really horrible. sad. Really horrible. So sad. And again, but I, if you're if, if you're still playing it, uh, get a horse and run across every border and see how beautiful that game is. Oh, I have, I have. And Blade and Soul, Blade and Un- Soul is another one guilty of that too. Until I did, <laughs> until I randomly got this uh, Termination Code Ten insufficient RAM. Rip. That's oh. the Unreal Engine Three. In, in, like I've got sixteen gigs of RAM, which is not a lot, but it's definitely enough for Terror. And even with sort of Chrome and Discord and everything else open and Terra, I was only using eight gigs, and yet the game crashed and gave me instant. See, that's where you're wrong, because you had Google Chrome open. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a oh, perfect man. example of being beautiful and not being optimized. Yeah, and you got rid of your PvP community. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good word, man. Optimization, because. One thing that I think the Elder Scrolls Online did really well, um, and I felt like this was—I feel like this was true from the beginning to where it is now. I mean, art style, style specifically aside, they—they—they they, they found a good medium of like realism, but also the, like animation style that, over time, like it doesn't really look six years old. It looks like it, you know, easily could have came out. And I think for another five years, it's still gonna stand the test of time like versus other games like world of warcraft like the further you know you get to the 10 year mark it ain't looking so good right so like finding the balance but looking good and then also performing well and the problem with the elder scrolls online is their back-end architecture for that mega server uh both in cyrodiil and even open world and with some of the changes that i true truly and wholeheartedly believe that some of the biggest problems are the things they said they wouldn't change and then did. And I think an example of that is one Tamriel will never make it to where people in the world can all be in the same place. And there have been, there are specific issues in traversing the world with loading issues and things that have been there consistently since one Tamriel. Um, some of the problems that they talked about related to the mega server, they never actually like 
fixed in Cyrodiil and continued to add new changes, new things, new mechanics. Uh, I think the bridges being destructibles and things like that, like those types of elements that they add along the way, when you build on a cracked foundation without fixing the foundation and continue to build upon that, like the game over time slowly decays further and further. And, you know, from my perspective, I'm not a developer, but just looking at the patterns and choices, I think that that is a good explanation for like where a game can continue to have a sense of not feeling like it's holding together very well over time. So regardless of how beautiful the game is, I think it's going to look beautiful. It already looks really great with what we're seeing. It's come leaps and bounds since Alpha Zero um, with it only being pre-alpha. At this point, I think we're going to still see leaps and bounds by the time we get to launch, which is very encouraging and inspiring. The main thing is, is if that architecture for the server remains stable in, in how it ties into things like sieging, uh, the node development, caravan systems, flagging and things of that nature, if they can continue to work hard to refine that like they've been doing. And so far, I think they have definitely because I can say on my experience from alpha zero to now, the no development definitely has come a long way in terms of feeling fluid and feeling comfortable and, and, and not feeling just kind of like choppy in nature. And I don't really know how to explain it outside of choppy in nature. It definitely feels just more organic, more fluid, smoother, transitionally better. And if they can continue to make this no matter what, you know, what hurdles they have and just really focus on making sure that that, that backend architecture is solid, then I am confident the game is going to be beautiful. And from that perspective, I actually think that it has far more potential than I think they realize. And I think maybe a lot of people realize. Um, so just my two cents. Final thoughts, anybody. We're going to wind this one down. Next time we're going to talk about game mechanics, I think, a bit. Yeah. We're going to get into the good stuff. I've been wanting to dig into some theory crafting <laughs> domain for a while now, and I feel like we're definitely getting there. Um, but any final thoughts before we kind of wrap this one up and and, and sign off for this uh, episode? Uh, no, I'm pretty, pretty much in agreement with you. Is when, when Stephen, every time Stephen goes and tries to attack a caravan, they, like they succeed, it breaks, all the items pop out. Oh, right. But initially, initially, they were trying to transport all these items. How are they carrying it all if there's supposed to be a weight limit for their bodies? Oh, GM. how are they carrying? Oh, yeah, that was totally GM powers, dude. Like, you see how much stuff he had? Yeah. Had to be. Why are your mercenary friends to come scoop it up for you? I need your bag space. <laughs> I, need to, I need to pay you for your bags for about 2.3 yeah. hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's that's that's the case and that's the scenario yeah. i would rather hire uh what's it called um mercenaries taking all the items from point a to b than hire a a caravan mm. you know what i mean that's a good so I, I can actually imagine a world where two cam, two, two warring caravans meet and they just have an all-out brawl. Oh man! <laughs> head to head, whoever wins That'd gets. Be amazing. Don't yeah. you think be amazing? I can see them working that around though, Faisal. Like if it's bound and you can only place it in your caravan, then that would probably, yeah, in some oh, regard. 
resolve some of that. But in terms of gear and stuff, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably That's bound about- there too. But if it's BOEs, then different different it's, scenario. It's, it's, yeah, that would suck if you like you didn't have enough. You didn't have any friends. Like yeah. Pacha, like Pacha. <laughs> He's oh, not here. He's out there trying to pick oh, everything up. But he'll he listen. Stuff from his bag. And he's like, I don't have any <laughs> friends. Hello. Like picking stuff up. Jeez. And then someone else comes along and just kills you. Oh my so gosh. Because you're picking up loot. <laughs> right. I'm just an acquaintance. It's like rip. I'm just chop liver. We, you know what's funny is, didn't we? We talked about this on the LFM show last Thursday. We were talking about the same thing about how Pacha always says he doesn't have friends. And you're just like, hello. Jeez, man. So, friends, it's been a hell of an episode. Glad we could definitely cover everything that we had on the agenda today. All in good time, too. Friends, I'm going to let you all shout out your stuff and things, your places where people can find you. What are your domains? They want to seek you out on your own content creation platforms. Go for it, Becky. Becky. I'm looking for Mac and Noji. You can catch me on YouTube. You can catch me on Twitch. Uh, you can catch me on the forum. Same name. And uh, Wandering uh, Mist. Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Wandering Mist. Uh, I put up weekly MMO RPG related <laughs> content and discussion topics there mm-hmm. i'm also active on the ashes forums and the ashes official discord with the same name and faisal you guys can find me on twitch.tv uh, faisal 108 come come down chill with me i'm cool with it <laughs> come chill kick it. being the optimal word i feel and uh ladies and gentlemen it's been a great great show great episode uh, Pathfinders, remember, you're always welcome every Sunday, 5 p.m. CDT here, catching the Ashes Pathfinder show live. Remember to contribute your comments, your thoughts on any of the uh, YouTube videos. You can post on Twitter. Uh, you can catch us on at Ashes Pathfinder, which is the official Twitter for the show. You can also uh, send us some mail to ashespathfinders at gmail.com. And if you want to call in, you can hit us at 1-539-664-6801 to leave a voice message for us to potentially play on the stream. So behave yourself. And with that being said, we look forward to catching you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Pathfinders, we will say, see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.